Today's episode is sponsored by More Labs. More Labs offers vegan and gluten-free supplements with proven ingredients to help you fight everyday stressors. Hangovers can be rough. Morning recovery is designed to reduce the negative effects after drinking and boost your body's natural response to post-alcohol recovery. Aqua Plus Probiotics and Aqua Plus Immunity are hydration mix options to help with gut health or immune health. Lacking energy? Check out Liquid Focus, a better-for-you energy drink that's designed to boost focus and provide clean, smooth energy. Sleep is the key to the best version of yourself, so try Dream Well, a holistic shot made to help you fall asleep quickly and give you a better night's rest. Can't decide? The Life Hack Pack is a variety pack containing their morning recovery, liquid focus, and dream well. Use the code GJWT to get 20% off when you check out at morelabs.com. That's GJWT at morelabs.com. Welcome to today's episode. We'll be talking about public relations and what it's like to run for office with the founder and president of Full Swing PR. And the episode starts in three, two, one. Hello everyone, I'm Diana. And I'm Naomi. And this is Girls Just Wanna Thrive. It's a lifestyle podcast where we talk to women who are thriving not only in their careers, but in life. We'll discuss current and relevant topics in beauty, wellness, dating and relationships, and self-care. We would love for you to join our new community for uplifting women from all walks of life. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to be the first to hear new episodes every week. Hey everybody, today we have an interview guest. Her name is Caitlin Koppel Massengill. Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty of what you actually do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before you got into PR, like your school background, all of that jazz? Sure. So I grew up in a pretty small town outside of Boise, Idaho, and uh, went to public school and ended up going to a private liberal arts college just down the road that my mom was a professor at. So I got to go for free, which is super fortunate. uh, That was the College of Idaho. So while I was there, I studied um, politics and history mainly and was uh, fortunate to edit the school newspaper, The Coyote. Uh, so got a taste of investigative journalism and really mm-hmm. thought that um, journalism was the path that I was going to go down, um, thought about being a foreign correspondent. Um, and then unfortunately, my father passed away. Uh, he was only 50. And I was um, going into my junior year of college at the time. And so that I think really made me feel like I couldn't be, you know, in France or chasing down people on the other side of the world and I should be close close enough to get home to my mom in a day or so and so I uh, pivoted and thought 
Um, I might do environmental journalism because I really love the outdoors, uh, living all of my life basically uh, in the Rocky Mountain West. So that was sort of how I chose journalism. I ended up going to the University of Montana School of Journalism. And by the time I was done there, I was like, oh man, the recession's happening. How am I going to get a job? <laughs> I really love Montana. I want to stay here. And so I ended up uh, pivoting yet again and uh, becoming um, a communications uh, person for the YWCA Missoula, which was really exciting because the mission of the YWCA, of course, is to eliminate racism and empower women, which is what I'm all about. So I feel like the thread of that mission has continued to fuel me um, in every career that I've had. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was the, the best first job ever. And I'm actually still good friends with some of the people I worked with back in the day. This was like 2007. <laughs> and uh, they put little old me in charge of all the marketing of their, not only their programs and services, but also their three thrift stores, which actually generated like one third of the income to support the programs, which if you know nonprofits is like a very big deal. Um, so I got like a little taste of everything, which was which was awesome because really all I knew about was journalism. <laughs> yeah, that really is awesome. Not many people can say that they truly loved and enjoyed their first job. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if you want to go way back, I mean, I worked at like a pizza place. Yeah. <laughs> My first big kid job yes. after school. Big yeah, kid that's... job. So speaking of big kid jobs, so now you've transitioned and you're um, the CEO of Full Swing PR. So can you tell us a little bit about what Full Swing PR is and what it has to offer? Sure. There's um, been many uh, stints along the way, but I've, I've been fortunate to work in philanthropy and public affairs and as an elected official um, and at a more traditional marketing agency and then went out on my own uh, actually in February of 2019 and started Full Swing um, as a way that I could kind of really fulfill that core mission that I've felt since I was a kid, which is like, if women aren't at the table, we're going to be on the menu. So let's get more women on at the damn table, you know, in every way. So I'm all about getting more women, more power. And uh, I think that will solve a lot. of That's a good saying, though, if we're not at the table, we're on the menu. I like that. That's um, pretty encouraging. And so what do you offer at full swing? Like, say I wanted to be one of your clients, what would you necessarily offer for me? Yeah, so we help women leaders shape and share their stories. Uh, we work with a lot of female founders. Um, we work with the occasional political candidate. We actually got to help elect the first female mayor of Boise, which was special because it's basically my hometown. Um December in a really heated runoff election. So that was cool. Um, we work with a venture backed startup right now that's helping women start uh, high quality home based childcare programs, which is a huge need. I don't know if either of you have little ones, but finding childcare is a giant pain in the yeah. ass. Um, which is also probably why we moved back to Boise because the grandmas are here <laughs> to help. Um, and the price is right with the grandmas. Um, yeah, so those are just a few. We also uh, work with a great client that actually helps large, like Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies harness the power of nature um, to innovate and compete. That's Biomimicry 3.8. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to work with Armoire, which is a rental fashion company out of Seattle. Um, and then we always have a couple Idaho-ish um, clients too, uh, usually, you know, small businesses with big ambitions. That's a lot so. to handle. 
Yeah, well, I have a team now. It's not when I started, it was just me, uh, which is the case of um, a lot of women owned businesses specifically. But um, I think, you know, we often set our ambitions too low, (laughs) even though we're often accused of being ambitious, which I have been many times in my life. Um, But I think it, it was really nice to see that, you know, my goal of like, you know, making my old agency salary um, was like way too low because I made that in like five months. And, you know, now I'm on track to building a million dollar business, which is just crazy to say. But I feel like, you know, the most feminist thing you can do in some ways is like become a millionaire and bring other women along with you and not just white women. So um, I think it's very important that we have more power and um, a big part of that. So then what made you choose to create Full Swing PR? Um, Well, in some ways it kind of chose me. I mean, I was, I was just in a position where I was like tired of working for other people whose um, values might have seemed on paper, like we were aligned, but in actual practice weren't aligned. And I felt like, you know, at the time I was 36 or 35 <laughs> it gets real hard to keep track of how old you are once you get like 33 and I was like I've been doing this long enough like I've got some street cred and I have a good network and why not try it you know so so I did and here we are and I um have kind of a core team of about four now which is great and then we work with a network of subcontractors um and so we're able to provide national reach um and also a variety of services beyond just you know media relations press release development we also do integrated digital marketing campaigns and then government that's quite a lot like what's a typical day like for you crazy i've seriously had calls um all day uh, it's four my time. I forgot where y'all are based. <laughs> anyway, it's four o'clock, and my lunch was like seriously. I probably oh, I threw it away. It was like a almost entirely gone bag of Costco trail mix and like a little bar. So shit's not glamorous. <laughs> I have. I, I felt like success was bringing my reusable coffee mug. Nice. Um, but I didn't have to waste any packaging. <laughs> The little victories. Yes, little <laughs> victories. So what is your favorite thing yeah. about your experience with Full Swing? Oh, man, I think like we have had just the best clients. Um, I've been so inspired by uh, the women leaders that I've been fortunate enough to work with. And then I just love my team. It's so fun. I've, um, I know a lot of people say you shouldn't hire your friends, but I broke that rule. So <laughs> I work with people that I've known for quite a long time, actually. And um I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to work with your friends. I feel like, you know, your friends are good people for the most part and you know what they stand for and you know what their goals are. And as long as you're committed to like emotional intelligence and direct communication, I feel like, you know, you take a chance no matter who you. Yeah. That's, with. that's a good thing to look for. Um, so you offer like public speaking events and workshops. What are those like, like say I wanted to go to one, what would those be like? Well, usually like when I've done public speaking or do you mean what we um, Ooh, both. Okay. So usually when I've been asked to speak, um, it's usually to provide some sort of workshop, like everything from how to get your startup into the spotlight to uh, how to run for office or like how to know if, um, you know, running for office is right for you. Um, Because you've maybe heard the stat that women have to be asked an average of 12 times before they actually um, put themselves out there and run. Um, So that was a big deal because 
I may have put this in my bio, but uh, my latest venture is actually another company and it's called Electable and we're launching the second week of July, but we're all about getting more women elected to hyper-local and local public office, especially in non-coastal states um, because, you know, the coast kind of suck all the air out of the room sometimes and people forget about places like Idaho, yes. which I get it, but like, you know, there's 1.7 million of us, like... <laughs> But there's, you know, the other side is doing it. So I think it's really important that we make sure that there's a bench to make real change in every corner of the country, not just That's very cool. So you mentioned that you're hosting these various workshops. Where are they taking place at? Is it is it places that you go to, like different facilities? Is it small group gatherings that you're coordinating? Not so much. Um, I've been invited to speak at things like new leadership um, at Boise State. They have a a national kind of leadership program for women and girls. Um, I spoke at Alt Summit in Palm Springs right before the world fell apart. I was like on an airplane March 7th. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I was like the, being in Palm Springs for a week. Like the week started out pretty normal. And then we're like, oh, God, we got to get home. It was a, yeah, it was a little dicey, but luckily we're, we're all okay so far. Um, but that was, that was really exciting um, because Alt Summit is something I've attended, you know, as a participant in the past and actually was there. Um, like right on the heels of launching Full Swing, basically a year, and then to come back, you know, one year later and be invited as the speaker. Yeah, that's very cool. So for those of us that don't know what Alt Summit is, do you think you could give us a high level overview? Sure. It's a conference of about 2,500 female creatives and entrepreneurs and makers. It's actually, um, there weren't a ton of PR people there. but uh, it was, it's mostly like folks who have incredible um, talent in the arts who are either like printmaking or legit artists or who have fashion companies or who have like a wildly successful like random Etsy shop <laughs> that they're trying to grow. So I think a lot of the folks who show up are kind of at an earlier stage of their business, but they also have brought in like Jessica Alba and like Joanna Gaines and like some really big people over the past and it's kind of a cool conference because it was started by some women from Salt Lake City, Utah, which is not something you heard. Yeah. Like, no. um, to, to California and it's pretty California heavy. Now, in 2012, you became the first openly queer person elected to your city council. Can you talk about that experience and what made you choose that path? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, At the time I decided to run for office, I was actually working at Pride Foundation, which is the largest LGBTQ community foundation in the country. Um, And I was the sole person in Montana. They're based in Seattle. Um, It's a great organization. And um, I had been working as a volunteer, you know, in my own time, and then to some extent with the organizations I was employed by to make sure that um, local municipalities in states like Montana had non-discrimination protections um, in states like Montana and Idaho. Um, There is no um, incorporation of LGBTQ people in the state human rights act. So that's why the the recent Supreme court decision was such a big deal because at least now employment is covered. Um, but any, in any case, the Missoula ordinance that I worked to pass as a volunteer covered, um, housing, employment, and, um, public accommodation. So you can't, you know, be kicked out of a movie theater or a restaurant or a restroom because of who you are or, you know, who you're partnered with or hanging out with. So, um, that was a huge issue to me. Uh, two city council women voted against it. Um, and one of them, actually, they were both up for re-election, but one ended up being my neighborhood representative, which I didn't know. I mean, I was like 
27. So I wasn't totally tracking, like I knew there was a city council and I knew what city council did, but I wasn't necessarily tracking on who my neighborhood's representative was. So it was this, this woman who, um, you know, despite me advocating for her to vote in support of the non-discrimination ordinance, voted against it. Thankfully, it still passed. Um, but it was really troubling to me to think that she would just get a cakewalk to re-election. Um, I wanted there to be, you know, Missoula is sort of known as this liberal college town um, nestled in the Rocky Mountains. But it's uh, um, I wanted there to be one place um, in the state that I loved so much um, that where you couldn't just vote against LGBTQ people and get away with it. So I decided if no one else filed to run against her, I was going to do it. And no one did. So then I had to do wow. it. <laughs> and I really didn't know what I was doing, um, which, you know, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm very glad that I did it. It was definitely a learning experience. And I think next time I position myself to do that, I'll do some things differently. Um, but it was, it was very rewarding. And I got to meet a lot of uh, people I wouldn't have otherwise met and make some good change for the town. Very cool. That's amazing. So what was the hardest part of the election process or actually being on the city council? Like what was the biggest challenge that you came across? Honestly, I think the hardest thing about, and partly why you see mostly white old men <clears throat> holding these positions of power is because most of us have to work, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like collect a cushy, like city retirement um, benefit while, you know, you're retired basically beyond that. So it's very hard to maintain a traditional job and to give back to your community in that way. And I think that's deeply, deeply unfortunate because, you know, you see women serving often majority on like nonprofit boards or community organizations. But, um, when you look at the local level, that's not always the case. Um, and so I really hope that that will start to change. But I know for me as a young person and somebody who was like, you know, working middle class, lower middle class, probably in terms of my income, it was, uh, it was definitely like a struggle to keep up with, um, both things. Um, and so I think, I think that challenge is really, is, is real. Absolutely. So then what did you do to help balance out those two? Well, so I actually, um, quit my job and started my own first company, <laughs> which um, it was a little different than full swing because I didn't, I just basically wanted to be a 1099 kind of employee for um, a, a large nonprofit um, that was willing to work with me. So it was very much like I was still an employee. I just had more flexibility and no benefits. And then I could take on like other clients on the side. So it was great. And I'm thankful for that experience. But um, ultimately, I ended up leaving city council um, a bit early before my term was over because um, I had an amazing job offer that I couldn't turn down. So um, that's, I think, sometimes why people don't take younger candidates seriously. But I think it's also, it's like, you got to look out for yourself and your future. Right. So, and I, think I, you know, I feel like my record um, shows that I accomplished as much in three years as most people do in two terms. So, I so I want to go back to LGBTQ. Um, what issues do you still see in the workplace? Like, it's kind of ridiculous that we're in 2020 and like we're still having issues in that sort of arena. What issues are you still seeing, and what do you think should be improved? Yeah, I mean, I think that even when uh, cities or states or now even the federal government has um, laws in place to protect you from being fired. Um, I think that you'll still see um, this notion of cultural fit, which we've seen has been used to push out women and um, folks of color um, 
forever is like, that's just going to be still a thing. Right. And I think the other um, factor that plays into it is like, nobody wants to identify as a victim. Right. I think, especially in some of the Western states where I've spent my life, it's like, you just have this like sense that you should be able to overcome whatever the world throws at you and that you're not going to let society get you down or the man get you down. And so I think it takes a deep level of courage and also commitment to sort of come out yet again in the process of filing an actual complaint and taking legal action. It's the same, it's the same, or not the same, but a similar dynamic, I think, to why women often are hesitant to report sexual assault. You know, it's like to put themselves out there that way, especially if you're in a small town Mm. or a state where um, the repercussions could be worse. It might be easier to just go find a new job or find a new house. So um, I think it's a cultural change thing. And I think, you know, the next, you know, most most Americans and studies back this up show that um, most Americans know somebody who's gay, bi or lesbian. Right. Um, but trans people, that's not the case. And so I think until we um, really destroy the gender binary, <laughs> like it's going to be pretty hard um, because there's there's definitely people feel very strongly that there should be gender norms and um I think when when folks are coming out as trans and begin to transition at work, then that creates a lot of um, stress for them and um, gives employers a lot of room to to find ways Mm. to force you out. That's terrible to hear that employers can do that. So what steps are you taking to ensure that LGBTQ individuals get fair treatment in the workplace? Yeah, I mean, other than just continuing to donate money and, uh, you know, help candidates who are LGBTQ get elected, that's that's sort of my role right now. I mean, my um, agency definitely knows the values that we stand for, um, and we're constantly trying to do better in terms of, you know, we don't have any, I mean, we're small, right, but we don't have any Black women that work for us. And so um, I think, like most white Americans, the... Um, that what's happening in the world is not lost on us. And though, while we might consider ourselves to be aspiring allies or engaged in anti-racism, like there's always ways that we can do better. And so one of the things we did was take on um, pro bono, a client who is um, black and she's queer and she's badass. And so we're just going to do a bunch of shit for her. It's going to be great. So (laughs) so that was something we could do just like immediately, you know what I mean? That felt uh, personally meaningful for us because, um, you know, we do good work. We're not cheap, but it's also like, here's somebody who needs help. And I just found her through a Facebook group that we're both a part of. Um, and so it's, it's awesome. There was no process except for me being like, Hey, can we help you for free? <laughs> and she was like, yes. <laughs> um, but I hope, you know, that this will, um, you know, become something that we do. Um, perhaps there will be an application form in the future. <laughs> but I think that, you know, it's very important to elevate the voices that are missing um, in positions of power and, you know, um, help help make change. Now, what would can. make a workplace ideal for someone who considers themselves part of the LGBTQ community? Like, what should they look for? Um, You can't really tell much during an interview, but like vibes you should get from the other person. What Mm -hmm. would you suggest? I think 
I mean, it depends. Obviously, it's easier to do this when you have a level of economic security. But if I was in a situation where I was interviewing for a job, I would ask how many LGBTQ people they have in the office or if they have if it's a big corporation, do they have an LGBTQ affinity group um, that's a resource for employees? Um, I would ask about their health insurance benefits and make sure that they're open for same sex partners and that, you know, any parental leave policy is, is not just maternity leave and that it applies to the uh the parent that's not carrying the child or whatever. Um, so I think there's lots of room for policy change. Um, the last agency that I worked for was actually a B corporation, but didn't have an inclusive um, policy when it came to LGBTQ stuff. And it wasn't like anybody like meant mm-hmm. to do the wrong thing. It was just like, oversight, you know, and it's much easier to have those oversights when right. nobody's out. Um, nobody's talking mm-hmm. about it. So I was just the squeaky wheel, like I often am, and I was talking about it a lot. So I know that full swing PR has a lot of different offerings. Um, one of them being more of building out your brand. So how does one build out a national brand? Yeah, so that's such a great question. And I don't know that there's one path that works for everyone. Um, But I think, you know, one of the easiest ways to know where you might be lacking is to really clarify your vision for yourself and then think about who are the folks that you aspire to be like, whether those are brands or individuals. I mean, oftentimes we work with individuals who maybe want to write a book or have written a book, but it didn't sell as as well as they might have wanted it to, or folks who are really interested in bringing their business online. So in many ways, COVID-19 really hasn't hurt us as a business um, because we were very much positioning ourselves and positioned to help people with e-courses and membership sites and all of those kinds of digital products that are um, just becoming, you know, quickly becoming just the norm (laughs) that we all live with. So um, I would say, you know, if, if, women leaders, folks listening are interested in, you know, getting paid to speak, or they want to write a book, or they have written a book, but they don't know the first thing about like getting an agent and selling it to a publisher and those sorts of things. Like, we can help you create um, the demand for your brand or your product or service. um, So that we can we can help you develop the audience that you need to um, really be taken seriously and build credibility so that you can charge more for speaking. get more for your book, you know, all of those great things that often women leaders. Now, would you uh, say that to someone who's trying to boost their personal brand as well? Or is it different when it's more of a personal brand or like you are the brand as one person? I would say often there's there's a an, a relationship, especially with female founders there. I don't know that you totally can separate the personal brand from the brand. I mean, think about like Spanx and Sarah Blakely or, um, you know, some of the other uh, Reese Witherspoon. I mean, granted, she was a celebrity, but now she's got all kinds of brands associated with with like Jessica mm-hmm. Alba so I do think like there's a there's a relationship between the two I mean Oprah oh my god she's like the consummate example yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> um so I think like it's better to be proactive and how and how you want to shape that relationship that you have as an individual with your company or your various products and services um so I don't know that there's like one path that's right for everyone. I think certainly some of the tactics um, are the same. Um, but I think it's also important for women leaders, you know, including folks like myself who like maybe started out by themselves, but now are kind of building this thing. And it's like, what what is it that you're trying to really create? And 
how hands-on do you want to be? Um, that's something that I kind of struggle with because I love working with our clients and I still get a lot of, I think it's really fun, mm-hmm. like the hustle part of my job. Um, but I could see like, you know, 10 years from now, like, I don't know that I'm going to want to work this hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you figure out, you know, systems in place that you can bring in, um, you know, some passive income, whether that's through an e-course or a membership site or book sales or, you know, speaking a few times a year? Like, what is what is that mix that's going to be right for you and right for your family? Um, I think there's just so many, like, myths out there about productivity and like what work should be like and frankly they're all racist and sexist and I don't see why any of us are trying to emulate them you know Mm. I think that's more fun to just start over so then what would be some tips or tricks that the listeners could take away and apply to their own businesses or their own brands sure so definitely contribute content like if you are not a writer by nature um, think about what that could look like for you. Like maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's blogging. Um, maybe it's just getting really, really good at social media. But I think, you know, there is a place depending on your industry, of course, like you need to be showing up where your target audience is. So like, it's very important that you're contributing articles on LinkedIn. If you're in the B2B space or consulting at all. Um, I think like if you are in the beauty space, like you should be figuring out how you're going to do an affiliate program and how you're using Instagram TV and, um, all of that good stuff. So I think like, you know, whether rather than getting like super overwhelmed with like all of the things that are out there um, and struggling to do any of them well, you know, maybe you just pick one thing and you just learn everything you can about that and commit to really doing it well. But I think it's really important for people to remember that, um, you know, I guess two things. One, don't let um, perfect be the enemy of the good. Is mm. that the same? Yes. <laughs> and also um, to to remember that not having a message sends its own message. Do you know what I mean? So like if you were in PR and you're not on Twitter, I would question your credibility because all the journalists and all the political influencers, et cetera, hang out on Twitter. And yes, it's like a cesspool for humanity and, you know, our president should probably get kicked off of it. However, it is like where, you know, people that I'm trying to reach and influence hang out. And so therefore it would be remiss if I was All of those sure. are good tips now. Let's talk about you and your self-care routine. We're all about self-care on this podcast. So I want to ask you what you do for self-care. You are so busy all the time with all your like to-do lists and your clients and all of that. What do you do to like calm down and like take time for yourself and not have so much to do? Yeah, so um, this is true for me. And, uh, you know, I think all of us on our kind of core team aspire to do this, too. We're all working moms of kids under, I think mine's the oldest, who's three and a half. So um, we really try to keep the time from like four to like bedtime, you know, 8 p.m. or whatever, depending on the kid. Mine is like increasingly like 10 p.m. And I'm like, what's going on? try to hold that time like pretty sacred and not let um, like people know that like, we're not going to be on Slack. We're not going to be on email. Like if something is truly urgent, like don't even text, like seriously call. (laughs) And uh, you know, while we might not be totally out of pocket, like we're much more unplugged because that's family time. And we know that. And um, you know, I think the other thing that I do a lot of is um, I work really early in the mornings when I have to, I don't work late because I'm like, fried by the end of the day. Um, and that's a way that I've, I just learned that about myself and it works for me. Um, I'm also 
a big believer in like therapy and also coaching. <laughs> um, granted, there's definitely economic privilege there, but um, I think coaching is becoming more and more accessible. Um, I was able to join uh, Rachel Rogers' new uh, We Should All Be Millionaires group, which is like so amazing. Um, and you should all check it out. She just opened it back up um, for a limited time. Um, <laughs> we'll have to check it out. Yeah, she's great. And um, I think, uh, what is the, oh, I said working out. Definitely uh, having some sort of physical routine and being outside is is huge for me. Um, and really, like, I think remembering myself, because I'm somebody who I think is naturally inclined toward workaholism, <laughs> which I've been rewarded for, right? Because we have these stupid models that were invented by white men that tell us, like, you know, you're not worth anything unless you're producing. Right. And that's just true. And so it really takes a conscious effort um, on my part to like check myself and be like, really, do you have to work this weekend? Like what happens if it doesn't get done? You know what I mean? Like how do you realistically set expectations that allow you to fulfill what you need to do in a, in a normal work week? Like whatever that is. For right. You. I like that so. tip of doing that little, little gut check of, do I really need to handle this right now? I think, I think that's a good and quick, easy one for all of us to apply. I know I'll definitely apply it to my, uh, my life for sure. Yeah. When do we get massages again? This whole COVID thing is cramping my body work stuff. So besides um, your website, where are other places people can find you and your PR firm? Sure. So um, we're most active on Instagram, um, and that's at Full Swing PR. Um, and then I'm active personally on Twitter. <laughs> but again, there's a blurring of the lines. So it's me, but it's also Full Swing. Um, and I'm at Caitlin Koppel on Twitter. And then I like LinkedIn too. I'm kind of like the exception because I don't know, this kind of makes me feel old, but I actually really like Twitter and LinkedIn. <laughs> I like Twitter too. I feel like it's a quick and easy way to like respond and like get news out there and just quick and easy. Nothing to it. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like, especially when you live in a state like Idaho, and I think sometimes I have like activist FOMO, because like, part of me wishes I was like in Seattle or somewhere where maybe the Black Lives Matter movement feels, uh, I'm guessing, quite a lot different than it does here, although, you know, we've represented as best we can. <laughs> yeah. So I think like Twitter allows you to sort of live vicariously through folks in big cities. Yes, very much. Um, So what is last question like um, our listeners should take away from this episode if they want to get into PR or if they're looking to get PR for their business? So um, I would start, I have a free e-course that's on my website um, and it's, it came out during the stay home order. So it was like 15 ways you can boost your PR while you're stuck at home. <laughs> but I think a lot of the tips on there are really helpful in terms of folks feeling like, ah, I don't know where to start, you know? Um, so I think, you know, just getting real about what your capacity is and where your talents lie and like being specific about like, okay, here are the three things I'm going to do every week. And I'm going to commit to doing this for three months because I know like I'm not going to see results until I do that. And then figuring out too, like being honest with yourself about like, 
you know, I, the idea of speaking in public freaks me out. And so like, what am I going to do? Because I want to be, you know, this influential person or this author. And like, maybe you hire someone to help you uh, learn how to public speak. I don't know. But like, you know, I think knowing yourself is huge um, just as women. And then also as, you know, entrepreneurs or business owners, like know what you're good at, know what you're not good at and ways to creatively bridge the gaps. Well, you seem like a very experienced, very busy and and very passionate woman behind your your business and everything that you're doing. And I just thank you very much for the time and and chatting with us on this podcast. That was quite interesting. I mean, we learned so much about PR. We don't do much PR for our podcast, but we learned so much how important it is. Absolutely. And to hear from someone that has had that much experience and that is so passionate about empowering women and empowering the LGBTQ community and and really everyone as a whole, but empowering them to be the best that they can be on the PR side, on the brand side, on their business side. Um, it's just nice to know that someone is out there like that and that resource is available. We'll definitely look into her resources because, man, did she give some good advice. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share our podcast. Everything will be linked in the show notes below. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Peace.